Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, before we start with the word and all, I want to just ask if you would. Um, there are different churches in the air right now holding service. I want you to pray for them. I want to lift them up to you today and anoint the pastors, anoint the congregation, and let God move in this area and around Houston. And as the Lord leads you, I want to lift you up, these, these churches up, any of the churches that come to mind. Uh, just speak them out. Let's put them before the Lord today. But we're going to cover the churches right now that are meeting in the name of Jesus. I know Greater Mount Carmel's meeting uh, <clears throat> with Pastor Gillery over here. Uh, we know that. We know Bayshore's meeting. We know uh, all the, the churches here, all of you that are that are meeting um, that are meeting here. Um, Lord, we lift them up to you. We cover them. We cover the pastors and the congregations as we gather corporately as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we lift them to you today. Ask that you would move in these churches throughout this area, bring revival. Bring an outpouring, dear God, today throughout this uh, city, Lake City, Dickinson, Lamarck, um, all of this, all the surrounding area, Father Alvin, we pray, Houston, greater Houston, Lord, we pray, all, all these churches that are meeting today in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Father, to pour your spirit out. We pray, Father, today that a miraculous move of the spirit of God would touch people would walk on the property and they'd come under the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit of God. We right now, we bow in reverence and Lord today, we raise a hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah, Lord. And we want nothing else except for you. That's all we desire. Nothing else, Lord. Nothing else will do. You're doing miracles. That's who you are. We know you're changing lives. That's who you are. We know, Lord, this is all you, Lord. It's not about us. It's about you. Oh, Lord, we ask you, even as right now we sense your presence here, that you take full possession. We don't want to hang on to anything, Lord. Nothing else will do. We don't want to hold on to this and that. Because it doesn't satisfy. Never, ever, ever will satisfy. Come, Lord, take full control. Holy Spirit, this is your service. And we ask you to come and take full control. You're here. We offer our lives to you. That's all we want. To sit in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are great. And holy and righteous is your name. And there's no one like you. No one can do the things that you do. And they can't do it like you, Lord, at all. 
nothing in comparison. Somehow by your grace you've chosen us. You've adopted us. You've brought us into the family. And we're so grateful today. Father, thank you that you're not finished. And thank you, Lord, even we believe that you're just, you're just getting started. And our hearts are, are just jumping with joy because of your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your doing. Cover the churches, Lord. Cover your body. And those in this neighborhood and beyond who don't know the truth of Jesus Christ, who they, who Jesus is, we pray right now for them. And we pray, Father, they be so convicted that, Lord, they, play, they find a place and come in and be welcomed. And they would fall on their faces before God and repent. And they'd come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to do that today. We ask you, Father, today, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We've got three weeks before the resurrection. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Paul said without the resurrection, we're going to die. All, all these things are in vain. But we know that obviously Jesus rose from the grave. Unless he be risen, then obviously what we do and go through all the motions. And we don't want to go through the motions. We just sang. We're not looking for a blessing. We're just looking for Jesus. Amen. And we're opening our hearts to him. And I'm so grateful to be a part. I'm so glad that you're here today. We can share our lives together. And what God's doing in the earth today. And it is good. Keep praying. Persevere. Don't give up. Believe for revival. Believe for an awakening. Because this land, Jesus is the answer. It's not a different political party. It's not obviously better weather conditions. It's foggy this morning. Oyster Creek was fogged in. Ricky told me and Judy told me. It is about a move, God, in people's hearts. To awaken and drive the darkness out. Because people are walking in darkness. But we've seen a great light. His name is Jesus. Amen. We're going to read from a scripture today. And today, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about today the wonderful cross. The wonderful cross. What does a cross mean to you? And so if you'd like to stand while we read John chapter 19. We're going to read from verses 16 through 24. You're welcome to stand and read it with me if you would, please. Thank you. All right. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which is Aramaic and it's called Golgotha. Here they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. And it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And the chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. 
but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what have I written? Have I, I have written. And when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. And let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Amen. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Oh, boy. Yes. You know, that if you look at scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus has prophesied the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection was all prophesied in the Old Testament. So it pointed to Jesus. So we have that in the Old Testament. It points to Jesus. And of course, we know he walked on this earth. We know that. We know that through the word of God. We believe that by faith. But we also have historical evidence through historians, Josephus and others that have written things, that Jesus obviously came. He was the son of God. And we believe that in our hearts because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've got to believe that he is who he says he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the whole thing about God is having faith, believing him. We have faith uh, as we're standing and saying it's already done. Our healing has already been paid for. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about that by his stripes or wounds that we have been healed. Okay, when you look at it. And the healing there is obviously spiritually, emotionally, and physically. All of that is grouped in the atonement. So those things are there. So we pray for healing because God's one of God's name is Jehovah Rapha. God is my healer. And so we believe that. And so everything that we have and everything. And, and, and I did a teaching over here at Delaney here recently. Is, and and the, the title was, Is God Enough? Is He Enough? And I do believe He's enough. But I want to talk about the wonderful cross. Amen. If you hadn't thought about the cross lately, you see crosses everywhere, don't you? Symbolic, we know that. Many of them, people are wearing the cross because sort of it's kind of the customary thing to do and it is a, a relative piece of jewelry that people wear. But what does the cross mean? Well, there's a story about two men. They indulged in every sinful activity imaginable while away on a business trip together. In the morning that they were uh, making their way to the airport, one man challenged the other. He said, I dare you. To go over to that church over there and confess everything that you did last night uh, to the pastor and, and get counsel here. I bet you $100 that you can't do it. Well, the other man said, easy money. I can do that. So this man, one of them, went over to the church and went into the pastor and said, hey, I want to tell you what I did last night. And of course, you know, we know that sinful nature, nothing surprises. I mean, we think somehow, well... You know, they're worse than we are or no. And the ground at the, at, at the bottom of the cross is level. We all come the same way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all come that same way. And that's why, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we need to lift one another up. That's why when, when we stumble and fall, that we need to pick one another up. We need to pray for them because we're in a war. And before Jesus comes back again, that war is going to intensify. The devil is not happy 
And he's not happy as we see God's spirit begin to move in different places throughout this country. He's not happy with that. He does not want people to come to Jesus Christ. His one purpose is to keep you from knowing God Almighty. He tells you a lie about who God is. That God's not faithful. That God is mean. That God's up there with his big bat ready to hit you the first time that you stumble and fall and do this and that. He lies because he's the father of lies. And we see lies today throughout our nation. Different things are being said. And I think sometimes when people actually say lies enough that actually they begin to believe it as they, you say it. And the more we hear those lies, we have to be careful. The more we take on those things and we begin to, to believe things that are not the truth. That's why the word of God will obviously transform your mind and your heart. You begin to walk in that. It says walk in the spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so this man went on in to the, to the pastor there and talked to him about that and all. And the pastor recognized and saying, I'm not sure you, you, this between you and God, but I don't see repentance there in your heart and so forth. And so the pastor said, why don't you go down to the altar here in the church and just ask the Lord to show, show you your heart and how wicked and, and what you've done and ask him to forgive you. And the man kind of shrugged that off. He's looking for the $100 that his friend was going to give him and so forth. Well, he went down and he began to flippantly say, Jesus, uh, obviously, I know that you did this for me and forgive me of this and forgive me of that. But just as he was praying, he remembered a verse from the word of God that his mother used to repeat. It was John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he remembered that. And he came under conviction for what he had done. And he repented and he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe today that obviously there is power in the blood of Jesus. We know that. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. You and I are still in our sins. If it had not been that Jesus shed his blood, the perfect lamb of God went to Calvary and took our sins upon him, rose from the grave. And when he went in the grave, he had faith that his father was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do and that he would be raised on the third day. And that's exactly what happened. One thing the enemy will tell you is it didn't really happen. That obviously all the arguments for the fact that they stole the body and, you know, that <clears throat> he really wasn't dead and, and all. And, and his followers came in and did this and that and so forth. No, he supernaturally was raised from the dead. Long we remember that because there is, again, what is the battle between truth and lies? And again, we know the truth. And the Bible says when we know the truth then the truth has set us free. And so the cross has power, power, wonder-working power. But when you look at that piece of wood, history has idolized it, despised it, uh, gold-plated it, burned it, worn it, and trashed it. History has done everything to ignore it, the cross, okay? Cindy and I were talking to our grandson the other day. Cindy was talking about the fact, she said, you remember... To our son Rex, <clears throat> you remember when I talked to you about um, uh, making sure that you guard your heart? Because obviously our kids and all of us are on social media nowadays, like seems like 24-7. But our kids are. And they're watching all this stuff all the time. And you know, obviously, they're watching a lot of stuff that is not really good. 
And so we're trying to teach him, and so are the parents, trying to teach him that to be guard his heart. Don't take in everything that he, uh, you read or what you see on that, uh, on that iPad and so forth. And uh, I believe he may have come up with it, facts and so forth. He goes, yeah. He said, because, you know, we said, well, you know about the cross here. Because they may show the cross on there and so forth. And he said, yeah, Mimi. He said, uh, because sometimes the cross is depicted like this. With the cross beams being at the bottom. And he goes, that's not right. And he said, what's right? He goes, because the cross beam is at the top. See how subtle it is? But do you see to an eight-year-old mind? And do you see how the world has distorted the things of God, the cross of Jesus Christ? People wear it, have no idea what that is, you know? And, and we see this today. But the cross, when we know the power and the resurrection and the power in the cross, I want to tell you to set you free. And you can walk... And you can go through those things that have challenged you, maybe addictions, habits, and other things, or failures, or whatever it may be in your life. And you can go through the knowing the power that's available to each one of you as God's children, as God's a family here. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved is the power of God. For us, I mean, I love the cross. How about you? I love the cross, okay. Now, we know Jesus is not on the cross. But we know it was obviously God's way there uh, to show the world that he gave his only begotten son that would be there hanging on that cross with those spikes in his hands and, his, and also in his feet, knowing that obviously during that time that actually he, he would collapse because of the weight of his body and he would suffocate. All that, and he would die an agonizing death through that. I always think about it in terms of that God Almighty, who knew what was happening at this time, and we'll share a little bit about that because it's gruesome. But certainly during that time of history, that this is when God obviously decided to send forth his son. Galatians says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So he knew the type of death that his son would obviously die. And you and I should reverence our hearts to see that, not just in the fact of the physical pain that Jesus, our Savior, endured, but also in the spiritual and emotional pain. When he wept over Jerusalem, he knew that he came to give the gift of salvation, eternal life to the whole world, but there would be those who would reject his offer. And he wept over that. He was heartbroken. He wants all to be saved, none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life, the word of God says. And yet Jesus knew that some would reject him. Some people today still believe that the cross is foolishness. It's just foolish. There was a well-known, I won't name him, but a well-known person that if I mention, you'd all know who he is. But he talked about that. He talked about how foolish it is. And he said this. He said, basically, Christianity is a religion for losers. And he said, I've had a few drinks and a few girlfriends. And if that's going to send me in hell, then so be it. According to many today, obviously, this like this person, only losers would put their faith in a savior who lost his own life. He didn't come. See, the Jewish people thought he was coming to deliver them of the oppression of the Roman government. And yet God, Jesus came to obviously relieve us. And to cleanse us of our sin. And, and to make a way that 
that we'll go to heaven to be with him. He had something far greater and far higher and far deeper than anything as far as the physical aspect is concerned in the here and now. And that's why you and I, when we suffer, when we go through some things and we're praying and maybe God allows that to stay in our lives, we need to remember the gift of salvation <laughs> says it all. I mean, if he doesn't give me or you anything else except for salvation, that will be enough. Amen. Yes, he answers prayers. Praise God. He helps me through life and you through life. But if he doesn't do anything else except give that free gift of salvation, then man, we, I'll tell you, the greatest gift, indescribable gift. There's power where the, our sins are forgiven. Our attitudes are transformed. Death is defeated and our hope comes alive. It is the cross that our lives begin to change. Listen to a program yesterday. And they were talking about what happens after you take your last breath. We know the Apostle Paul talks about when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. You're either here, here, and you're breathing, or when you pass, you go immediately. Your spirit goes immediately into the presence of God. Isn't that good news? And the one thing this particular pastor, theologian, talked about was the fact that you and I don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of death. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus said, I've taken the sting out of death. I've made it where you don't have, when you face that time, when you face the uncertain time, because we never know that time. And I believe there is an appointed time that people will go home to be with the Lord. Thank God I'm still here. You're still here. You're coming to church. You're praising God and you're wanting to serve him the all the days of your life. But we know there's a time that God has a set aside that we will go to be home with him. And so when we see people die maybe earlier than what we thought, somehow we maybe thought God made a mistake. No. He knows about that. He's allowed certain things to happen. When we see children, they don't have, they have a life in front of them and they don't make it. Not very long in life. A chaplain with hospice with the babies, the, the peas and so forth. Many young children are like that. Do we, do we know? We can know that our God is faithful and that's not something God obviously has some way overlooked. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, for what I received, I passed on to you. Of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So what is it that matters? What is it that is of the first importance? Certainly our relationship with Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, the, the death, burial and resurrection. This is most important here. And in the next couple weeks, as we lead up to that time, I want you to reflect on it. You know why? Because it's worth it. Because I want you to experience the Lord. I want you to encounter him. I want you to know him. I don't want you to just go through the motions as we just sang. I don't want to just come and just sort of like here we are again. I want you to know Jesus Christ and him crucified and lifted up. Okay. The other is I believe when that happens and the corporate body all come together and we meditate, reflected upon that, something great is going to happen. Something's going to happen. You believe it? Amen. Can you say amen? Something great's going to happen. Amen. You can't go through this time. Now, we can celebrate the birth, death, and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ every day, and we should. But when we talk about it here corporately, as we move towards it, something great's going to happen, folks. So be ready for it, and I want you to anticipate great things, what God's going to do. There in this scripture here, think about it. These men. They were witnessing the most significant event in all of history, yet they missed it here. 
I mean, these guys were touching the very Son of God, these, these soldiers here, these people around him, and yet they were not touched by the cross. And I believe it's the same reason many people today are not touched and moved by the cross. And I want to name three things, first of all, and I believe they can certainly be affect our lives, and that is the fact that they were so familiar with crucifixion. These soldiers were so familiar with because crucifixions were very routine to these men. We know it was a horrible way of dying here. And it actually at that time of Christ, crucifixion had become the favorite method of execution throughout the Roman Empire, especially in Judea, where it was regularly used to make a public example of rioters and insurrectionists. According to Josephus, a historian here, after Herod the Great died, the Roman governor of Syria crucified 2,000 men in order to quell an uprising. And by the time of Christ, Rome had already crucified more than 30,000 people in and around Judea. They knew about it. And so they were familiar with crucifixion here. One man, Skip Gray, in his book, The Way of the Cross, says this. Tradition tells us that around the time when Jesus was a teenager, there was a rebellion near where he lived. The Roman army crushed the rebellion, but they didn't want it to happen again. So they crucified an Israelite every 10 meters along the road for a distance of 16 kilometers. The sight of some 1,700 people dead or dying in agony on crosses Space every 30 feet for 10 miles must have made an incredible impression upon that teenager Jesus. Can you think about it? For 30 miles, they were crucifying people. And here Jesus saw that. Don't you know, even then, as, as Jesus was prepared and he was nailed to the cross, he rem remembered seeing those people crucified and how horrible it was. It must have made a terrible impression upon them. But see, the Roman soldiers were so familiar with the cross that they were untouched by it. And you see, that can be our issue today. It's that we've seen the cross, we know the cross, we walk, in, we walk with Christ and so forth, and we're still unmoved by the cross. We're still unmoved when we see God do great and mighty things. We are still unmoved when we fail to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn and grieve with those who are mourning and grieving. And our heart can become calloused as Christians because we've become so familiar with the things that are happening. My fear is for us today is that for many, the cross has lost its impact because of its familiarity here. We see these crosses everywhere. And law of familiarity says this, no matter how valuable, given enough time, everything will be taken for granted. How many, we know that, don't we? It will be taken for granted. A lot of people today are not moved by the cross. A lot of people today will say, well, it's Easter. Let's get some more eggs and hope our children don't eat all the candy, right? Because they will buzz from room to room and so forth, right? Because of the caffeine. And that's what we say. So what we've got here is that Easter has turned into another traditional holiday. But I pray this one that you'll be moved by the cross. And by the resurrection. That Jesus will do a work of renewal in your life and my life. And the life of the church today. And I believe that's exactly what he wants to do. Don't let the cross become so familiar to you. 
that you'll no longer be moved by it because the cross is our way home. We're going home, folks. This is not our home. We're just sojourners. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims. Here we go. We got a task to do. We're not going home early, any later. We'll go home exactly when God wants us to go home. Hebrews 13, 5 says, 3, 15. Hebrews 3, 15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Oh, he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. You see, we are the army of God. And a lot of times I've talked about the fact that churches, as far as is understanding and maybe fighting the war that we're in. They, many churches are sort of like they ignore that, but we're in spiritual warfare. So some churches just sort of ignore that and hope and, you know, get in. And, and we need to learn the word of God, certainly here. But the word of God should be relevant to your life and my life. Everything in here, every jot, every tittle should be relevant to your life and my life. It's not just another history lesson, although it is interesting, and the Word of God is living and active, and it changes our hearts. It pierces to the very conscience as we read it and meditate on it. But we say today, it's all relevant today. Every, every part of it here. And so don't become so familiar with these things of Christianity that we miss Jesus. The second thing that these soldiers were uh, obviously having a trouble were contributing factor to the soldiers' indifference was the prejudice against the people of God. The prejudice. You see, the Romans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Romans. In fact, sometimes some of the Jews uh, in their cloak, they would get in a crowd, and when a Roman soldier would pass by, they'd take that knife out and stab that Roman soldier and then sort of disappear into the crowd. They hated one another. It was a hatred today. And so that prejudice against the people of God, we see that. So when the, the soldiers crucified Jesus, they just said, hey, you know, it wasn't anything personal with Jesus at all. They were doing what they'd always done. They have just another Jew dying and being crucified. They didn't have any compassion on him at all. Think about it. People today, I believe, are still unmoved by the cross for the same reason. A prejudice against the people of God. Christian writer Nancy Ortberg says this, the only time I saw her father cry was when he related a story of when he was a little boy during the Depression and his mother went to the local church asking for financial assistance and the church said no. And she said, my father wept as he told about how broken my grandmother was. She said, my dad has never been back to church since. He's not angry. He's just indifferent. You have people, they built up a prejudice against the people of God for different reasons. Some people have been hurt by the church. I hope not, but I know that's true. Some people have said this and that and things. People have said words that they wish they could have taken back to people. And it's wounded people. And they've left the church house and never come back again. People have rejected people in different, for different reasons. You see, we say, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not biased. But if you let God search your heart, and I let God search my heart, man, he'll point out some things that you didn't know were there. I thought I got over this. I was raised in the South. I was taught certain things as far as the South is concerned. And so there are things that are there from when I was a little kid. It wasn't real bad. Out of my home, but it was like an environment that God has had to deliver me of. 
But every now and then, the enemy will come back and he'll put his hand on that. He'll say, hey, that person's not like you. You know, what we always want, we want to be one up on somebody else. See, I'm a little bit better than they are. And we begin to think this and we begin to sort of dwell upon this in one way or another. And obviously, God just waits till we humble ourselves and we come and we lay our lives before him. Cindy and I went this past week to see the Jesus Revolution. And I had heard sort of what it was about in some ways, but I wanted to see it. I heard it was a good movie. And back, I see it was a story of Chuck Pierce and Greg Laurie, who were instrumental as God used to start a, a cha a Calvary Chapel, a church. Obviously, Friendswood's got a Calvary Chapel over here. There are different ch Calvary Chapels throughout the country. And what did it meant, and I'll give you a little synopsis of it real quick. But it was after Haight-Asbury. Now, I'm old enough to know about the hippie movement because, believe it or not, my hair used to be a lot longer than what it is today. It's because I don't have much, all right? But it was longer what I, back then. And I had some back then. And it was a movement that was going on. A lot of people were rejecting. And then there was protest over the Vietnam War. Many of you remember it, okay? And, and all these things were happening. And Chuck Pierce had a little tiny church called Calvary Chapel there. And, um, of course, the actor uh, playing it was not Chuck Pierce. Chuck has gone home to be with the Lord. And these um, hippies started coming into the church. God's spirit began to move. And they started coming into the church house. And they weren't dressed exactly like the people there because the people there were, had their suits and ties on. Nothing wrong about it. I'm not putting anything down. Don't get me wrong. But they had the suits and ties on and, and all. And it's very distinguished, very proper. And here come these hippies, barefooted, and these cloaks on, long hair, all, beards, obviously. And they're thinking, goodness, they, they're coming from the drug culture and all this because they've been obviously sort of like oriented to that and then uh, told that and pounced on about that. And the church house, the traditional church, they, some of them didn't like it. They were like, man, they were running our church. They've messed things up here. They're ruinous because they were looking at them and thinking, well, here the pastor is saying, what am I going to do with this? Because they're coming in here. And, and I, you know, his daughter, actually, the pastor's daughter joined the group, really uh, connected with the group and so forth. And, and his daughter was telling him, the pastor, her father, saying, Dad, you need to do something. Your church is going down the tubes here. And, I mean, you've got a little handful of people here, and these people are coming in. They want to hear the word of God, and they want to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And all these things are happening. They don't look like us, obviously, and what they've come from, and all their background, and all this other stuff. And you need to do something. Here the pastor was, I mean, and he was in knots. What are we going to do with this group, okay? Pretty soon, God got a hold of him. And here they come. And some of the traditional church folks left the church. He said, we're not going to, we're not going to, can't do this. We can't certainly here. This is not our tradition. This is not us here. Okay. It's not who we are. And he began to leave. The pastor yielded. Finally. And said, come on in. And that place was packed out. But it wasn't exactly the way we thought. It would be. It's because God 
is in the business of changing hearts and changing lives. A couple weeks ago, I gave out a, a, a handout. And the handout said, does God care what we wear to church? Now, that may have been challenged. You see, it doesn't challenge me. Because my heart has always been, and the fact is, I want to see people saved, and I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me what you look like, what you sound like, what you smell like, how you talk, how you live, whatever. Come into the church house and hear the word of God and get your life right with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's my whole heart. I'll leave this earth with my whole desire to see people saved. And come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't care. I don't care. I want people. To see Jesus and him high and lifted up. You know in that article. The lady. Who put out some good points. And said you know. We think God looks at our exterior. But where does God look? Anybody say it? Our heart. Man looks at the book and the cover. And many times we look at the cover and we discount because the cover doesn't look like what we thought. Why? It's because we all got prejudices. We've all got biases that we don't even know are there. God's tearing the walls down, folks. And God is doing a major, major work. And thousands of, quote, hippies got baptized there in Pirate's Cove there in California. And still this day, they're baptizing people. I don't know about you, but I'm willing to risk it all. I'm willing to walk with Jesus wherever he leads me. I've sang that song over and over again. But the fact of the matter is that I believe it. God is doing some work here. And we're having some, I think, some prophetic things being spoken about Lighthouse Fellowship. And I believe God is on the move here. And I believe that God wants all of us to be a part of it. But I'm not sure that it will be exactly the way that maybe we thought it was. Or, you know, maybe kind of twist tradition here and there. But if this song means anything to you that was sung the last worship song. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Daniel, if you'll come forward, if you would. Daniel, we had lunch last week, and um, we were down here, Skippers and uh, Hema. Yeah, would you thank you, thanks, Don. And um, we were sitting there eating lunch and talking, fellowshipping. And Ed and Nancy and Cindy and I, and and Don and Daniel. And uh, I don't know how what happened. Don can tell you, but he did something. spoke to me I hadn't forgotten and I've told him yesterday and and today I asked him I said you would you mind coming forward and tell me what you did yeah. so we were uh, we were getting ready to pay and I opened up my wallet and uh, my driver's license is in the front and it has a little clear thing and I was just looking at it and I smiled because of the past couple weeks he's been talking about come as you are and don't don't uh, try to fit into a, a section. And um, 
the thing is, is that when I open my wallet, there's pictures from two or three years ago, and uh, just looking at the guy that's in that little picture is not the guy that I am now. The guy here uh, is just there's there's no light in his eyes. There's no there's no expression. You know, granted, it's a DMV, so you, no one's really happy at the DMV, anyways. <laughs> but, 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 in, but in reality, I I know because I know I was I was that person that that I wasn't who I am today, and I didn't feel the way that I feel now. You know, as far as allowing my emotions to come to the forefront and 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 show my feelings and show who I am and not what people think they see. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just saw this, and I was, just, I smiled, and I just happened to be, just shared it with everyone at the, uh, at the, at the table because, it just, you know, you just, if you look at a picture of yourself from two years ago, are you that same person? More than likely, no, you know. Uh, and I'm just glad that this person isn't me anymore, and that I am different for the better, not for the worse. So. Uh, that's just what my little my little thing was. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Daniel. I, I called him off the spur a moment, and I wanted him to, to share. We praise God. Thank you. Isn't that what Jesus is all about? <laughs> He's a, he just changes lives. Changes my heart. Changing the way we do church. Hallelujah. He's changing everything. He's changing everything. Thank you. The atheist, atheist philosopher. One, one of the atheist philosophers once asked. What made him so negative towards Christians? And he replied. I would believe in their salvation. If they looked a little more like people. Who have been saved. People watch our lives. Y'all know that. And God is saying. If we allow him. To work in our lives. We allow the cross. To come and change us. From the inside out. It's his business. But when you begin to see people. The way Jesus sees them. You see them totally different. And you don't see them as a, in a religious sense because we know the Pharisees had plenty of religion, right? We knew that and they crucified Jesus. But we know religion just brings death. But the Spirit brings life. The third thing here is that sometimes we can get off track with and can uh, distract us from the cross and that is material things. The soldiers were obviously throwing dice trying for Jesus' garments, okay? They had their heads down and they didn't look up to see him because they were too interested in the material things that are around us. And that can become our dilemma also. When we're too interested in the material things, you know, we're comfortable, praise God, and he blessed us, yes. But when we get our focus on those blessings, we do, again, what that song is talking about. We need to ask him to forgive us. Because anything that takes Jesus' place and your life and my life is an idol. 
We think that some type of a wooden image here, and we're not bowing down to that, so I'm cool. Maybe not. God says these things come in very easily, and they're material things. They got their eyes on all those things. They're not about to see who Jesus is or the power in the cross here. And they were so busy. Busyness is one of the main, main problems in the Christian life. Busyness. And you know, as we sang that song, or mind of the scripture, and maybe y'all too also, of when Jesus visited Mary and Martha, Martha was in the kitchen, and she was doing all, and man, she was cooking. Hey, nothing wrong with cooking. Y'all know I love to eat, okay? But she was in there, and Jesus was seated at, Mary was seated at Jesus' feet. And remember what Jesus said about Mary? He said, don't worry about Martha there. She, I've got her, okay? I got her. But you're sitting here, and you have obviously chosen, he basically, what he means, the most important thing, and it'll never be forgotten. Our relationship is sitting at Jesus' feet. will transcend all those things that we work for, because, you know, believe it or not, sometimes we as Christians, we begin to work in that sense, because we're trying to gain favor with God. We already have favor with God. We're working. We work because we're in love with Jesus. We work because we just want to please him. We're not working to try to gain our acceptance or somehow a favor with God. We've got that. We work out of love. And we do that. And you remember Jesus. He went to those that the world didn't go to. Jesus just went to the world. He went to those that he knew. They had an open heart. They were hurt. And you know, in our neighborhoods, we got a lot of people hurting. And they're not looking at religion. And they may have been hurt by the church. They may have tried it as a youngster. And maybe somebody spoke to them. Or somebody obviously said wrong words. Or maybe somebody didn't speak to them. Make them feel welcome. If they come into church house with open arms, come on in here. This is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. This is a place of renewal. And they left. Never been back. I don't think sometimes we may not get but one chance. Y'all ever felt that way? When God touches you? I know God is the God of second chances. Okay, we know that. Thank God for that in my life. And all. We heard testimony yesterday. From one of our brothers, Brad, and he talked about what God had been doing in his life. And I'm telling you, as Daniel, Casey, all of your lives are so important in telling people about what God has done. And Brad said this, and I don't think it was in any way confidential because he, he told the group. But he said, You know, I'm not somebody talking a group or talk out open. I'm usually the one sitting in the back and I'm quiet. And he began to share about what Jesus Christ has done in his life. And I just sat there. And I went, wow. Wow. This is God. Isn't it good? That God is saying what we got on the picture is not who we are today. I've changed. There's a difference. My countenance has changed. My attitudes have changed. All of these. Because see, obviously he works on the heart. He does that. And he wants to change your life. He wants to change my life.
to make us more like Jesus. The only thing that God, Jesus, remember, talked about when he really, he overturned the money changers there in the temple because they were swindling people. He got angry with that. And he said to the Pharisees, he said, you bunch of hypocrites. You're obviously, you, you, you got whitewashed tombs, or you think so. He looks at us, and he says, I love you. I love you with a love that you, we cannot ever, ever imagine, and I'll never stop loving you. Jesus is extending something in our community today and beyond that I want to be a part of. And it's certainly the cross and the burial and the death and resurrection of the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He rose again and he's risen indeed. And he's changing lives here. And I encourage you to take your eyes off the things of the world. Get them on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be distracted by those things that are just temporary. Because the cross holds a power in it to get you back focused. Because the one thing about it is, is when our minds begin to stray over here and over there, is that we know we'll get off course. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy of him endured the cross and the suffering that he went through. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look down at the material things. Don't look at people like, my goodness, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't do like me. They don't act like me. They're not as good as I am. That's when we get off course, see. Because we've got our eyes off of Jesus. I want to be a part of this. I don't know what it would be called. But I believe God's moving, folks. And I believe that he wants you and I to be a part. Because that's why we're here today. We're not here to see who can leave this world with the most toys. He's here to change our hearts and our lives. In Isaiah 53, we read, He had no special beauty or form to make us notice him. There was nothing in his appearance to make us desire him. He was hated and rejected by people. He had much pain and suffering. People were not even looking at him. He was hated. and We didn't even notice it. But he took our suffering on him, felt our pain for us. And we saw his suffering, thought God was punishing him. But he was wounded for our, the wrong that we did. He was crushed for the evil we did. And the punishment which made us well was given to him. And we're healed because of his wounds. Hallelujah. What a savior. What a marvelous savior that we have. I don't know about y'all, but my, uh, my passion for the Lord, my relationship with the Lord is, I mean, just something's happening. I know in your life, too, you could testify. We've, we're listening. Testify. Don't ever stop testifying. You don't think that no one needs, no one wants to hear it. Don't ever think that. That's the devil telling you to shut up. God tells you, like others we just talked about, tells you to speak up. God is doing a wonderful thing in each of our lives. And I want you, I want me, I want all of the body of Christ to be a part of it. Can everybody say amen? Amen. All right, we're going to watch a uh, YouTube. This is a...
I love this song. And uh, I, 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 when I put this together, actually it's, it started this whole message about the cross. And uh, again, it's God's word. Let him work it in your heart. It's about him. And we give him praise. Amen.